Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on February the 9th, 2021. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me this year wearing a baby blue sequin dress. Uh, and it's really riding up. Can we hurry this up? Caffeine rage. On today's show, we're going to be having the annual VGL Awards, only slightly late this year. And due to the nature of the submission, we will be having a brief community corner at the end of the episode. Timestamps will be somewhere as we sort out the mess that we call the VGL Awards. Hey, at least it's better than at least it's better than E3. That's yeah, yep. Because this is just a spreadsheet that we have, whereas the E3 stuff was a horrible nightmare of organization. Yeah, which we um, get to do again this year. Woo. Woo. <laughs> I'm so nonplussed about that. I will participate because it's part of what we do, but I'll, I'm going to be grumpy about it. Oh, it'll be all right. I'll survive. <laughs> Just that sound. <sighs> <laughs> I I was so happy when I thought E3 was dead. Like, Screw that. Screw that whole mess. But, you know, people are gluttons for punishment. Companies well, are just gluttons. Be, at least it's going to be digital only this year. So it doesn't change for us at all. Nope, not one bit. Um, and there, people did bring up a good point that they're losing a lot of money by not having it uh, in person. So they're definitely going to push for it in person next year. Yep. I, uh... I don't know if I'll ever go to a place with a large crowd ever again. Like I, I've talked to, on the show a couple of times and I've talked to, to you and other people uh, like, you know, in person, like about, you know, this collective trauma that all of us are going to have following, you know, the years 2019 to 2021. Uh, that's probably because it, it's, I think about like the people from the great depression who saved like every piece of tinfoil and, um, you know, scrap of paper that they had. You know, mm-hmm. They had a collective trauma from that experience. And I, I think that people that are in their 20s plus um, right now experiencing this are going to deal with that for the rest of their lives. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what the con scene does in the next couple of years. Yeah. I imagine a, a lot of the smaller ones are going to really be hurting to pick back up. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, hell, even the malls, uh, the local, uh, uh, well, I should say the main mall in the city near me, and I use city in sarcasm quotes, uh, is actually up for sale just because they've, it's been kind of sitting on the purposes for a while, but yeah, uh, with all the stores folding and losing another anchor store. Uh, they've decided to uh, go up for uh, essentially auction. Yeah. And the mayor's trying to spin it in a positive light. Like, you know, this is a great opportunity to revitalize the downtown district. It's just like, no, no, stop your bullshit. Yep. Malls. I don't know if it would be appropriate to say malls were dying, but malls were. This one. Yeah. Yeah. Malls were undergoing a pretty drastic shift, though, in order to try to avoid death. And so I don't know how 
COVID is going to affect malls well, well, so, in a simple, year or two. Simple. We start shorting malls. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Short mall stocks. Short mall <laughs> stocks. If as a, as a result, I, I don't. I have no idea because I don't understand how the value of cryptocurrency can change like it does. But uh, right after the GameStop thing, the value of Dogecoin like skyrocketed. And if you had like ten dollars in Dogecoin to like for the lulls, right now the value of your Dogecoins is like a hundred and fifty bucks. Damn, it skyrocketed. And well, it's then like, I don't understand. Bitcoin got to over forty five thousand yeah. dollars. Well, 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 Bitcoin uh, makes a little bit more sense because. Elon Musk. You can buy a Tesla with a Bitcoin. Well, you can't yet, but... They... But you'll be able to buy one with two Bitcoins. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, let's see. Let me go look right here. Uh, Bitcoin. Right now, a single Bitcoin is worth $46,389, and the value continues to climb. So, yeah. Doge coins right now are worth seven cents, but yeah, I, I you tried know, to, yeah, I tried to explain to Adita why video cards are so fucked up right now, and part of it is because Bitcoin has just gone crazy again. Yeah, but like two weeks ago, and, and she and she looked at me like I was crazy. Yeah, two weeks ago, you could buy a Doge coin for point zero zero eight cents. Wow! And now they're up to. Uh, seven to eight cents. The value fluctuate fluctuates quite a bit. I don't understand. Uh, my I mean, it in- makes as much sense as the value of a, a U.S. dollar. That's true. That's very true. Although with some of these things, like looking at values of of stocks for companies, you can kind of go, okay, well, you know, they had some good news. They or they had some bad news. It makes sense that the stock or they rises became or a falls. meme. They became a meme, but Bitcoin. And other cryptocurrency all over the place. I don't know. If I had a lot more money and or a lot more time, I would probably really research the value of cryptocurrency and make some cash. But I have neither of those things. So Mm -hmm. anyways, that was not on the the topics list for for tonight. No, no, but when was the last time that uh, uh, a divergence uh, stopped us anyway? Never. At never once has has that happened. Um, so <laughs> now that we have had our first of many uh, divergences for the night, let's talk about the VGL awards. Well, I do know that we have it, at least a few new listeners. Um, so hello, hello. We're sorry. Nah, we're not sorry. So every year, typically in January, but this year because things are weird, February, we do our yearly awards, the most prestigious non-awards in the video game industry. Yeah, maybe uh, uh, we'll actually get around to faxing them out this year. We <laughs> we created a bunch of categories, some of them stupid, some of them bullshit, some of them serious, where that we give awards to. And we're just going to go down the list. Um, one year we did it all fancy and it had like a whole bunch of um, like music and breaks and did like some fake yeah. commercials. Yeah, That's way that too requires, much work. Yeah, that requires a lot more effort on our editor. And he's he's a lazy fuck. Yeah, and as we've discussed, his COVID uh, vaccine superpower was extreme laziness. So no, really no, amplified uh, is uh, uh, his latent uh, superpower of extreme laziness. <laughs> right. 
So yeah, uh, yeah it, it, uh, it's a good thing that the COVID vaccine is only two shots. If it was three, yeah, he'd be like uh, Snorlax and take fifteen years to set up. Indeed, um, but we're gonna go down. It's, it's still divided into like four blocks. I think that's yep. probably where we'll put the timestamp breaks. Um, so yeah, uh, for words, thoughts, and sentences. Uh, the first one. Um, who wants to go first? Do you want me to go first? Or you oh, you go can first? go first. All right. So for the first one, we've got the most memorable gaming moment in 2020. Um, and I'm going to play this one a little close to my chest because I don't want to spoil the game. But at the very beginning of, of 2020, I took like a week off of work and played through the entirety of Divinity Original Sin 2 in that week. And boy, howdy, the ending for that game was amazing. Um, it's not very often that you see a big sprawling RPG that can have some actual real diversity to the choices and outcomes that you can get. And anyone who has played through the game and knows what the ending is or can be knows what I'm talking about. Cause you can get a wide swath of a, of dip variance in that ending. Um, and some of that is like the fallout or, you know, whatever of like, it just reads off some of the choices that you made and have been like, yes, the world is affected in this way by the choice that you made. But the really, really big choice can have such a huge uh, impact and can be handled in many different ways. Um, and the way you treated your companions along the way as you got to it, just so mwah. basically a 180 from the first game where it was pretty much <clears throat> uh, just how the interactions between the two you uh, player characters handled and became you know, essentially a mention uh, in yeah. the end sequence. Yeah. No. Uh, and kind and of that uh, at some point along the way, I kind of lost track of the plot because we both just started talk- chuckling at God box. <laughs> right. Um, Divinity two has another word that, that is chuckle where they let God box, but, but the ending is actually, the ending can really vary a lot and matters a lot. And you can get some completely different things based on who your companions were. Cause you get sort of locked into some primary companions after the first like major chapter of the game. And depending on who you do or don't take can have vast consequences for your ending. So two thumbs up. Most memorable moment of 2020 happened at the very beginning for me. Most memorable moment in gaming. And because I don't want to spoil it, I don't want to talk about anything more specific than that. Yeah, yeah, I still need to sit down and play that at some point. I picked it up, started to play it, and then just got distracted, Yeah, as I do, right? Yeah. And need to get through at least a good portion of the game before doing co-op, right? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I would join for co-op and just play along yeah, in, there, in the back. Yeah, yeah uh, it took us how long to get through the first one? Like a year? A long time. But I think part of that was we were recording it as well. Yeah. And so we would stop and do some things more slowly than we would otherwise. And Yeah, but then there was other times that we would just skip a, a lot of stuff as well and you know, do it uh, all in one bunch. Yeah. So I honestly think it kind of uh, evened out towards the end. It just, right? Yeah, fair enough. Right, and also... Part of the ending for uh, the first one may have been, a, or that final battle may have been a little bit blunted, the excitement of it, because 
Medora just went in and beat the ever-living shit out of the dragon, right? Yeah, we broke the ending of that game. <laughs> we we skipped an entire phase. Yeah. It was still hilarious, though. It went down, what, over a third of its health? Yeah, with one massive attack. That's yeah, a memorable gaming moment right yeah, there. Yeah, basically just hit everything and took, the- like... Uh, all the buffs I could on her and just like, fuck you. (laughs) Yeah. So what was your most memorable game? Yeah, And mine is at the end of the year and it was, uh, my girlfriend, Anita giving me a switch and really kind of opened up a, a a broader range of gaming for me just because, yep. Nintendo has probably the most attractive, at least to me, of the uh, console exclusives. Yeah, of course, your Mario's and uh, and while they have or your Mario's and yeah, the 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 the, the first party games that rarely get off system. So that, uh, on top of it being a lot more portable than my rig, and honestly, I was having computer issues at the time anyway. Just be able to sit down on the couch and yeah, uh, start uh, playing Pokemon or Mario and that sort of thing. It really changed things. It made it a lot easier to just really be able to do some stuff. And like I said, just opening up a lot more of uh, more niche titles that you don't really see on PC because yeah, they tend to be funded by Nintendo or they have a focus on that uh, hardware. Yeah. So are we doing winners this year or just right? Oh yeah. I thought I thought we only did winners for like the actual like messed up <laughs> topics. Like at the very end. Have we done did we do uh, I can't remember. It, it's it's been a year. <clears throat> These are our winners. Woo. Uh woo. Well well you know, twenty twenty was a weird year, right? Yeah. Fuck twenty twenty. Yeah. Yeah, 2020 uh, it was a year that lasted about eight years. Only eight? Man, you had it easy. Gatekeeping bad <laughs> years. No, we'll just... We'll just it, these, these are all winners okay. in our hearts. I mean, we did agree on our game of the year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but... Uh, spoilers. Yeah, yeah, this year we may have sat down and worked out a lot more than we have in previous years. Yeah. Because we we did our homework uh, on the bus on the ride to school, <laughs> so we had one other one that we agreed on as well, which we'll get to a little bit later. Yeah. So yeah, uh, your turn next or to start. Okay. So biggest surprise of the year, but this is anything gaming related, so it doesn't have to necessarily be uh, a game. It has to be in the broader scope of the games. And for me, it's something that happened once again, at the very end of the year, uh, going into this year and actually still ongoing the GameStop stock market and just how crazy it's gotten. It's just, th- there was a point that I was expecting the next time I heard GameStop in the news to be, Oh yeah. GameStop filed for bankruptcy and shutting down. But now, you know, their stock price is all over the place. It's just, I realize it doesn't help them as a company for the most part outside of maybe they could leverage it as some sort of positive publicity to you know, limp along a little bit further to try to maybe pivot their uh, their business model. But it's just weird 
And it actually taught me a lot about the stock market and just how fucked up it is. Right? Everything's fake. None of it's real. It makes as much sense as Bitcoin. Everything's relative. Well, especially if you're in the deep south. It's very true. Wink. That's my sister. Yep. Yep. Uh, That's your sister wife. That's my sister wife, daughter, cousin, uncle, aunt. Did you say uncle, Jimmy? Why, yes, I did, Stu. We, we don't we don't discriminate around these parts. We ain't no, yeah, we ain't no discriminators down like y'all down over there in Alabama. We like to think of ourselves as being downright progressive. <laughs> I will say, I think I mentioned this on the show before, but recently I discovered discovered like leftist rednecks on YouTube, and I, I love all of my sweet baby redneck liberal boys. Just uh, I would I would love to see uh, leftist rednecks around here, but honestly, all of them are fucking backwards, red as you could, uh, actually more than you would believe. Yeah, I I mean you know I also live in the deep south. I I would believe quite a lot, uh, but I don't I don't want to be sad. So let's talk about my thing, which was based off of something extremely sad. So last last year. Um, other than COVID, there was also a lot of protesting and um, over police brutality, particularly against people of color. Um, and itch.io, the sort of odd, mostly indie game uh, seller website, created a bundle uh, that was called the Bundle for Racial Justice that had several thousand games and uh, some other stuff in it. Um, And all of the proceeds they got for the sale of that bundle were donated to, uh, Oh, I don't remember. Was it um, charities or um, something? Um, I'm double checking. Hang on. I know it was sold to charity, but I can't recall which one. I don't want to call it the wrong one. Right. Uh, The in the in Double ACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund and the uh, Community Bail Fund okay. uh, with a 50 50 split on it. Yeah. And it was, they, I mean, they raised millions of dollars off of this. And there's some, there's some garbage in there to be sure, but there's also a lot of really good games. And we've played a couple of them, mm-hmm. uh, at least one of them for Game Club. And yeah. then we poked around on some other ones as well. It's, it's good. It's good. It was a nice, Pleasant surprise that came out of something horrible or maybe tragic is is the right way to say that. Um, So biggest surprise. Uh, Next up, we have the it's still an early access award. And this is the (laughs) award that we go and find a game that's been in early access for a while and are like, huh, that's still in early access. So I picked a game called Frontier Pilot Simulator. So some of the easy fodder that we went for in years past actually did release. Space Engineers and Factorio both were in early access for something like four or five years, and they released out of early access, so we can't pick on them anymore. Frontier Pilot Simulator, though, first entered early access in something like early 2018. Um, I've played it a bit and then kind of forgot about it because I was like, well, I'll play it again when it comes out of early access. And when we went to look at this, I saw it still was in early access. So it's coming up on three years in early access. I mean, it was a decent game when I first checked it out, but it had some issues because it was, you know, early access, like early, early access when I when I tried it. So yeah. might go with this year. 
Yeah, and mine is a former game club game, uh, Celestial Command, that is coming up on, well, let's see, uh, six years in early access going on seven. And honestly, since we've uh, taken a look at it in Game Club, it's only gotten a couple updates in a year and a half. And going more and more down this rabbit hole of building motherships and building space stations instead of you know, what it originally uh, had planned on, which was this Newtonian physics uh, space sim where you get mine and... They were originally talking about some sort of storyline going on to it as well. Yeah, sort of like a Arcady uh, X series, uh, in a uh, yeah, sort of a top-down uh, simulation. Yeah, you know, with uh, yeah, it did fall into the trope of uh, space as an ocean, but it seems like they're going full three <laughs> D now, or at least pseudo uh, like two point five D where. You could change essentially layers of the of that you're on, but they're just going more and more down this rabbit hole, and honestly, I don't see them coming out of it anytime soon. And it's really disappointing, actually, because it had so much promise when I first got it. Yeah, and I feel so bad about uh, really putting a game because yeah, we both hated it. Yeah, well, I mean, you never know what we're gonna get into with something like that. Mm-hmm. Usually, you know, one of us at least enjoys it, but not yeah. this time. Okay, so which brings up to me the Boulder Dash Award, one I'm fed up with from the previous year. And I'm going to uh, just, we're, we're going to go full COVID, full 2020. And it's developers and publishers blaming COVID for their bad dev practices and organizational skills because they really shouldn't have to push games back that far with. Remote uh, with uh, re- uh, remote uh, agriculture and the uh, uh, game dev scene, they are able to still remote and they're still able to deal with everything. But we saw how many games just get delayed uh, towards the middle, towards uh, end of the year. Yeah, quite and, a, quite a few. And honestly, it, it feels like a lot of it is just kind of. Pushing the, uh, yeah, pushing her off on. Oh yeah, COVID uh, was it was totally our uh, it was totally that fault, right? Instead yeah. of you know not be able to manage the team uh, remotely, uh, not have to rely on forced uh, crunch time for you know weeks or months on end to get a game out on their planned schedule. It just feels like you know well Boulder Dash really, right? Balderdash. But yeah. Of course, uh, now we could always rename it the Malarkey Award since you have Biden's in office now. <laughs> in honor of Joe Biden, the Malarkey Award. <laughs> Goodness. Um, yeah. Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that one. Because, uh, I mean, it's the perfect scapegoat for game devs to be like, no, we don't have problems internally. It was just that their COVID made it too hard for us to to do things properly the way we usually do yeah it's like hey the way you usually do it's real bad real real bad yeah how about that Uh, where uh, your devs aren't literally dying at the desk or well i shouldn't say literally dying killing themselves uh, at work uh it makes it so that your unrealistic 
release windows are well impossible unrealistic yep uh mine is uh live services i'm so sick of live service games we've said many times on the show there is room in the market for a few of them not for every single developer to make every single game a live service or shoehorn these weird arbitrary like season pass mechanic things into games and and break up content i mean obviously it's all a a cash grab that's all it is is a cash grab trying to squeeze more out of fewer games and um more out of the players that engage with them and i just i'm just sick of it i hate most live service games there's a few good ones um i mean elite dangerous which i've started playing again i think really falls under the live service model at this point but it's it's done it well with regular content releases and the game actually works and yeah, it has problems, but they're not constantly like shoving like loot boxes in your face. Um, yet, yet, I guess, but it's been like five years. Um, they do have microtransactions in the game. Um, and that sucks. Thankfully they are all cosmetic, which I'm not trying to make the, Oh, they're just cosmetic defense, but it's, it's the, in like a sea of shit, like this one is is like a little less of a turd, I guess is the best the best way to say it. But you know, live services can be done well. There's a few examples of them, but for the most part, I'm just sick of devs making all games live service BS. And on top of that, yeah, there's only so many hours in the day, so you basically divide up the player bases into you know thiefdoms. Yep. You know what games I've been playing here recently? Elite Dangerous. And I went back and started playing My Time at Porsche again. It's like, <laughs> you know, and I've wanted to play My Time at Porsche more than I've wanted to play Elite Dangerous. Yeah, I was very tempted to pick that up on Switch just to really be able to relax on the couch and play it. But I know I did a little bit of research on it. And it seems like it has some performance issues. So I picked up uh, uh, Stardew Valley. I'm Stardew just Valley for the instead. Patch. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Okay. That patch isn't there yet, but yeah, I know it's coming. Right. right. So, uh, so speaking of games you've been playing, what's the best yes. free one? Yes. The best free to play game that we played in 2020. I cheated hardcore on this. I cheated so much. Um, I put specifically, I put PCSX2, which is the PS2 emulator, or one of the PS2 emulators on PC, but more broadly speaking, emulation. Like, right at the end of last year, after playing Project Wingman, I was like, huh, I want to play all the old Ace Combat games, and you can get them all for free, to and just emulate them. Um, so I, I did, and it was wonderful, and there are thousands tens of thousands of games that you can play on emulation for various platforms that exist and in you know the year of our lord current year uh they can all be had for free most of these emulators ask that you flash or copy your own bios to make them work yeah yeah but spoiler alert yeah you definitely have the uh the uh, hardware and the know-how to do that of course right from your own hardware Right, absolutely, 100%. Uh, Spoiler alert, uh, you can just get them off the internet. But that's a nice little loophole that's like, no, 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 we're not uh, giving away. They have to have their own. If they choose to do something else with it, that's on them, not us. 
And I'm okay with that because fuck corporations. What about you? Uh, what was <laughs> Yeah. Well, I actually didn't have to cheat on this one because uh, I did play a uh, actually a few free to play games, mostly on mobile, but that tends to be the nature of the beast there. And the best one I played was actually Genshin Impact, which I saw on a YouTube video talking about Legend of Zelda knockoffs. And this was one of the few ones that was actually good. And I've heard, I had heard about it before then. Uh, so I downloaded it to try it out. And it actually is very good. It's essentially Breath of the Wild meets anime JRPG uh, uh, with the, of course, the uh, gotcha mechanics with it as well. But they actually uh, innovate a little bit with it as well, where uh, they have a team that you could assemble and be able to switch out on the fly. So uh, have uh, your, your uh, default character, which you don't actually have to have in the party as well, uh, with uh, three others, and be able to work a... Uh, a party mechanic of uh, trying to think of a good way to put it, uh, work out the different elements because each of the different characters specialize in a particular element, which is another one of their own mechanics. One of seven or eight, if I recall correctly, it's been a while since I played actually. And that on top of dungeons, which uh, focus on particular characters and uh, particular uh, uh, types of characters, both elemental and uh, yeah, melee versus ranged. I will say that if you want a particular character, it can be expensive because of the gotcha mechanics, but uh, they were generous enough, at least when I played it, that you didn't really have to pay to be able to enjoy the game. And if you built the characters well enough, even the low tier freebie characters that you get are still actually decent enough to be able to play the game and enjoy yourself. And honestly, I never even played uh, with another player. I just did all solo content. And there's a, at least was a ton of it. And last time I heard, they actually put out a big patch that essentially enabled another portion of the map. And yes, this is technically a live service game, so I could hear Jared uh, Jared's eye twitching about it, right? Echoing the, the Jim Sterling. <laughs> live service. Jim Stephanie Ser- Sterling. Sun. So yeah, I would say Genshin Impact definitely uh, is the winner for me on there. Uh, so moving on to the last one in block one, the no school like the old school award, and this is another one that's uh, stemming from you know getting a switch, but you know could do it on what Jared talked about as well. And this was going back and playing Mario three again, and this was partly. Probably the reason why I hated uh, a particular game club game that we'll get into later is uh, I was playing Mario 3 on the Switch emulator, which is a a freebie thing that comes with paying for online, which I was doing for another game. And it just Mario 3 is kind of that sweet spot of the 8-bit era where it was so late in uh, in the console generation that they were able to do a lot and uh, really tie down the mechanics while still aging very gracefully. And it just made me really nostalgic for when uh, platformers were a bit more simple 
and it was you know, just about saving a princess. I mean, I know Mario is still about saving a princess, but uh, you compare the movesets from Mario Odyssey or even Mario 3D Land World, question mark, whatever uh, one that is, uh, compared to Mario 3. And yeah, they don't really compare because Mario 3 is a very simplistic game, but it puts its challenge in level design. So yeah. That's uh, my uh, no school like the old school award. Sweet. My no school like the old school award is the entire PS2. Well, I'll say the entire golden era of Ace Combat, which is from Ace Combat 4 up through Ace Combat 6, seeing as how I replayed them all this past year. And man, there's just something, you know, that sort of, oh, they don't make them like they used to can apply in more ways than one. And while modern games have, have come leaps and bounds in gameplay mechanics and graphics, there's something that has been lost over the years in just having a good single-player experience, at least in this particular market space. I know that those games still exist. Indie devs are kind of leading the way in that aspect. But this was a big name from a, a relatively large studio back then that focused on just a tight single-player experience. And... I love it. I love them. I'm still playing them, actually. Fire them the emulator. I haven't in a in a week or two, but still, still, uh, you know, pecking away at unlocking all of the stuff um, and all the the cool secret content. Good times. Good times. Um. So we will mark that as at as the end of block one, and I'm gonna put a note in here for my timestamps and talk for a second because why not? Because you're in love with the sound of your voice. I'm in love with the sound of your voice. Well, that's why you started talking to me in the first place. <laughs> that's very true. Very true. Isn't it weird how relationships start? You know, you 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 find someone that has a quality that you 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 feel is attractive, and then if that's like a strong enough bond, like if they find something equally attractive in you, yeah, still looking for that one. Then you can build a life off of it. That's that's how I got married. That's how uh, we met, and I got married. Wink. Um. Anyways, moving uh, well, on. Well, Adina just called this uh, my mandate for the uh, week. So very true. I mean, we have two. We have Tuesday night. And we have Sunday night. It's our. It's our. Uh, it's just our. It's our special time. Just the two of us. We can make it if we try, just the two of us, you and I. I was just going to let that hang. <laughs> uh, I was wondering if you left me. Um, Okie dokie, that's, that's enough bullshit for now. Um, there'll be more later, I'm sure. Moving on to the Off the Wall Game Award, which is okay. the strangest game you've played in the last year. Yeah, which uh, I'll start this block since you started the last one. Okay. Uh, the off-the-wall game award for me is Hypnospace Outlaw. This is one that's popped up a few times, uh, especially on Game Club uh, Choosings, but also I've seen it on Steam a few times, and then it came to Game Pass. And I've had it kind of sitting there for a while, and I will admit I haven't played a ton of it because I started playing it just before I started having computer issues again. So I had to really stop and yeah, put it on the back burner again because yeah, 
uh, I have a, a box of computer parts sitting next to me. So, yeah, these problems are hopefully about to go away. <laughs> Tony Stark built this in a cave with a box of scraps. Oh, believe me, this is not scraps. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's. I, I even have sealed boxes. Uh, but a hypnospace outlaw, uh, getting back on topic for at least a short time, it's essentially a love letter, a love letter slash simulator of early two thousands, late nineties internet. Back when everything was on like GeoCities. Uh, uh, shoot, I'm trying to think of the other big. Uh, uh, free to uh, play or free, uh, free to use uh, web servers that were out there in the you know during that big dot com bubble. Remember, remember those uh, days when you know you didn't even have to pay for a website. It was just yeah, uh, sign up, uh, throw a couple ads on it, and you know that's that. Yep. Well, Hypnospace Outlaw. It's essentially imagine the Matrix. Okay. Uh, that you log into at night whenever you're sleeping, but it's all GeoCity stuff. So every web page has an obnoxious uh, MIDI file that's playing, you know, uh, pseudo uh, MySpace as well. Uh, People have these very, very niche web pages, and you play as a moderator for it. And uh, sort of a papers please esque uh, thing going on, where you're given slowly more complex and detailed missions to go police content. Like the first one is you're going off to uh, deal with uh, copyright issues, and you're like striking down <laughs> images off this uh, teacher's website that she's showing off all the. <laughs> artwork that her students has made and you're an absolute dick about it however there might be some morality choices of okay well you could go off and find someone else instead that might be more deserving of it or you could just go and browse the internet as well because there's a lot of content there and as you complete missions more of it gets unlocked i haven't really been able to talk a lot about it or talk about it on the show just because hadn't gotten far enough to really feel comfortable talking in depth about it, which hopefully I will, you know, in the next few weeks, but yeah, it's a really, really weird one. And I guess I should also say, and unique because right. Yeah. But well worth the download on game pass. Sweet. Um, For you. Yeah. For me, I picked Calico. So back, uh, I think in the fall, I don't remember exactly, but I think it was in the fall. Steam had one of its big demo sort of exposés. They did two or three of those last year, and they've got another one coming up real soon. Um, But anyways, I played the demo for a game called Calico. And I I think it counts. It's a game that I played. Uh, Calico is a really, really odd, like, cat cafe simulator, question mark? Where you get to pick one very strange looking, like one of two very strange looking magical girls um, and go on weird adventures, grabbing giant cats to ride them around like a horse or fat cats to like bounce on them and like jump around. And you can pick up and you can shake cats and flip them upside down and play with cats with laser pointers and like catnip balls and 
it's just a really, really weird, but also wonderful experience. The game is bad. It's terrible. I actually got, <laughs> I just was given the other day uh review co- code for it because I asked. I asked the dev, like, I want this in my life. And they gave me a review code. And I'm going to play the game a bit further than what was available in the demo and actually maybe play some of the missions. And hopefully the clock moves past noon on Tuesday of spring. <laughs> but just, God, it's so bad. But it was so wonderful, too. It was, like, just the perfect game for me. I loved it and also hated it, but also loved it. Just, mwah. Um, okay. So next, the <laughs> Rop It Like a Hot Rock Award. Traditionally, I personally have used this for a game that I picked up and played and almost immediately stopped playing because it was so bad and it stuck out of my mind because of it. But this one, a little different for me this year. Listeners, you may remember that Rage and I played a game back in the, I think, summer called Trailblazers, which had some uh, a lot of exploration Vehicle construction, trying to recover lost pieces of your crashed spaceship so you could escape the planet you crash landed on. And we were having a blast with that game. I really yeah, enjoyed all, it. It's all uh, comes down to building different vehicles and uh, for various challenges. Yes. And I loved it. We were having a good time. And one night, my internet went down, which made me have a forced disconnection from the server. And it wiped and reset all of my game data after we had played for, I don't know, a dozen hours or so. And I tried a few times to see if there was a way to recover it, and I couldn't. And I said, fuck it, I'm never playing this again. And I uninstalled it. Dropped it like a hot rock. Yeah, which is a real shame, because up until that point, we were absolutely loving it. And actually starting to get to some of the in-game stuff where we were building aircraft. Yeah. And just needed a few more parts for it. But the thing is that it really feels like a game that's designed around co-op or at least to some degree for some of the challenges, because in order to uh, collect some of the things, you have to get these various rocks or balls or you know, orbs uh, into a essentially a checkpoint. And some of them are rather massive and rather heavy, and it feels like it, they're designed around having multiple people manipulating them at the same time to steer uh, the various parts into the checkpoints to be able to, you know, have more stuff to build with. Mm -hmm. And I tried playing it with solo a little bit more and I eventually just gave up on it because one, it wasn't as fun, you know, going at solo because it is this massive open uh, uh, world that, is honestly really empty without someone uh, there to share it with. And two, you know, some of the challenges, I knew I could eventually uh, uh, take care of it, but at the same time, it's more trouble than what it was worth. Yeah. Uh, but that wasn't my drop of like a hot rock. For me, I still persevered a little bit, so technically I couldn't use it. But I had ReCore. This came up on Game Pass... Uh, towards the beginning of the year. And I think I played it towards the beginning of the year as well. And it's not a terrible game. Unfortunately, it's not a good game either. It's that middling ground in between where it's kind of meh. And it quickly started to become evident that one, it was just going to waste my time. 
right, requiring to collect a bunch of random nonsense. And not even in a fun, you know, like Mario Odyssey way of, you know, okay, oh, you have a bunch of little challenges around to, uh, to do things. No, it's just busy work, more so than what I was able to really stomach. To uh, some minor technical issues, it could just be my computer not you know, being right on the cusp of being able to run it. Three, it just... It's open world for the sake of saying that it has an open world, but it does nothing with it. It was just boring, which is probably the biggest uh, biggest sin a game could really do. There's relaxing, and then there's boring, and this was boring. Right. The worst kind. Yeah. So, yeah. So, moving right along to the least favorite game played in 2020... And this was also a candidate for drop it like a hot rock, but uh, you know, I had to split these up. Uh, otherwise, you know, I'd just be ranting about recourse some more. So, deliver us the moon, also known as a plot hole, the video game. <laughs> okay. So, the idea of deliver us the moon is it's essentially a first-person puzzle narrative game where there's a power plant that's on the moon that that deals with the world's energy needs. It houses this massive power plant that uh, is responsible for essentially all the uh, electricity on the world. Well, one day, it just stopped working. And basically everybody uh, was like that meme of, well, I guess I'll die. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it made absolutely no sense. <laughs> and there was just so many require me uh, to have massive suspension of disbelief that I just could not. So uh, you played this, I think, nameless character, if memory serves, that has been uh, specifically training for this mission to... Uh, go to the moon to uh, restart the power, but they treat you like just before uh, uh, the game starts, you took a massive blow to the head and you know, forgot all of it. And this is the one group that has able to been able to skip, to salvage everything to build this really rinky-dink rocket to <laughs> be able to try to go to the moon. And there's a lot of Puzzles for the sake of not not really to overcomplicate things. There were some really neat uh, segments, like some of the pre-launch stuff with the rocket. But then there was artificial timers, and whenever you started to get into zero-G stuff, it just was hugely disorienting, probably just because lack of map and because it's a space station, Space stations tend to be very samey in their design. And without any real uh, you know, landmarks, it just got very confusing. It just... Uh, that combined with just the weird, weird, weird story. It just was far, far too clunky, and I just... Ugh. Right. Fair enough. Um, mine was uh stacking so i went back and forth on what game to do for least favorite versus uh a a later category the disappointment um 
and also the drop at like a hot rock. But really, like I played stacking. I played stacking to completion because it was a game club game for for the year. Uh, January or February, I don't remember. But it was, it was like it was one of the first ones of the year. Yeah, and I just, yeah, yeah. Game club did not start off strong this year, and I just didn't. Uh, I mean, it was February. It wasn't like bad enough to stop playing, but I, I definitely would have stopped playing it if it wasn't for Game Club. I, I would have quit because I didn't really enjoy it. It was just boring. It it had a couple of cute little tricks um, and some things that were kind of fun. And after about an hour, it was just, oh, more of the same, huh? Mm-hmm. And, and you do that for six or seven hours and then you're done. So, yeah, I, I just, I just cared so little about it that I don't have much else to say about it at this point. If you want to know my full thoughts on stacking, you can go back like 50 episodes or something like that to listen to the February game club from 2020. Yeah. yeah back uh, before uh, COVID. And this was in the pre COVID times. I mean, I guess technically COVID existed, but hadn't become what it is now. Um, so yeah, that brings us down to our next one which is the Time Sync Award, the game you've played 50 hours or more of in the last year, or a game. Yeah. Uh, and this is, for me, the way to shoehorn Battletech into another <laughs> award. Three years running. Uh, and and you know what? I'll figure out a way to get Battletech in there again next year. But, I mean, I, I love yeah, Battletech. I think we might have to disqualify Battletech at some point. I've talked about it a dozen times or more on the show. Uh on a recording, not to mention the the thousands of times I've talked about it outside of it. I love Battletech. I've said so many things about it. You can go listen to me talk about mods for it, my own modding adventures for it, my feelings on the game initially and how they've evolved over the last two years, three years. Battletech came out in 2018. So yeah, two years. Um, and COVID-19 uh, did give me a chance to play Battletech for like something like 500 more hours over the last year. So yeah, I've sunk some time into it. It's a good game. It's real good. I like it. Go buy it. I will proselytize for that game until I die. Okay. Well, mine, uh, it's kind of the spirit of the award, even though it doesn't meet all the requirements, because honestly, a lot of times I don't stick with a game for 50 plus hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's picking up Animal Crossing New Horizons for Switch, uh, which technically is a time sink. I mean, quite literally in that case. And I definitely understand, especially when it released and uh, during some of the lockdowns, why it's such a darling for uh, uh, people. Because it's friendly. It's kind. It, you know, it allows you to just mess around with something. And uh, have still some sort of interaction. And I'm still fairly early in the game, but I still pick it up every day and uh, do my things. Uh, check the stock market. Right? Right. Uh, work on paying off my loan to Tom Nook, which I disagree with the whole idea that, or at least in this game, Tom Nook is like some sort of mastermind uh, uh, bad guy. Because, honestly, at least in today's world, he's about as good as you could get because he's giving you a loan with 0% interest and no collateral. Yep. This is like the most... I haven't played, like, every 
you know, uh, every one of the games in this series. Uh, I've played a couple. And yeah, I mean, Tom is... Nook isn't like a bad, bad guy. But in this one, Tom Nook just don't give a fuck. He's just like hanging yeah. out. Yeah, he's on a tropical island. Uh, uh, he doesn't give a damn. Yeah. It, I'm not sure. Uh, this is uh, me not really playing the previous ones actually at all. Just having kind of passing knowledge of him. Uh, he really doesn't play a major role outside of uh, some management of the island's uh, uh, infrastructure. Yeah. So I'm not sure if that's new to the series or what, but it does seem like they have a long-term plan on uh, content still coming out. As a matter of fact, they just released a patch in the last couple of weeks for another holiday coming up next week. Yeah, next week. Uh, that's uh, due to the game and uh, with multiple more throughout the year on top that they've already announced. So, you know, definitely, at least in the spirit of the award, uh, the Thomas Inc. Award. Yeah. You know, know, it's nice just to sit down and just mess with something and not have the pressures of, like, city skylines, you know, having to get the uh, infrastructure back up and running after uh, terraforming something or, you know, uh, having people bitch and moan, right? Yeah. I should play again. I haven't played in in several, several months. Yeah. and this might just be another case of me being kind of a casual uh, on this one. And I do know that there's some people that have some severe criticism with uh, new horizons and it changing the dynamics of some things and taking out some features, but, uh, but teasing the chance of uh, reintroducing them later, you know, a very Sims esque uh, experience, although it doesn't seem like they're going to be selling them, but so not uh, like but, the Sims at all. Yeah. But also, Addressing the ability to visit other people's islands uh, as a a copy that you don't have to worry about someone stealing uh, all your stuff and uh, you know messing up your things. Just be able to enjoy the landscapes. Uh, some of the uh, more interesting uses, like remember we talked uh, about six months ago, uh, the Joe Biden campaign setting up an island in Animal Crossing. Yeah, I haven't actually checked to see if that's still live or not. I know that they started to crack down on political stuff, but there's a lot of stuff to do with uh, just on a creative uh, sense as well. Like, uh, you know, the birdie meme, of course, right? Well, there I have a sweater that has Bernie on it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> of him sitting in the chair with his mask and gloves on just right and it's just amazing the uh, the amount of creativity the community has and just how, I guess, nice it is. And I think that's kind of uh, the appeal of it is that it's a uh, pseudo safe space. You don't have to worry about people being dicks. And it does seem like the villagers are a lot nicer than they were in previous in, uh, incarnations of the series as well. That they've took some of the uh, edge off the game for better or worse and uh, – depending on how you view it. But yeah, definitely uh, been a time sink so far and likely will be. Nice. So moving right along, best discovery queue game. So for me, I had actually quite a few good picks over the year, and that's partly due to just having more options to choose from in general, because I tend to get uh, more good picks in general. I'm not sure 
what that is, if that's just the fact that you depleted your cube, but that shouldn't matter at this point. Uh, but mine is Streets of Rage 4, the uh, r- the sequel to a beat-em-up that I played when I was a kid. <laughs> and I played this on Game Pass, actually, as well. Game Pass has really uh, come in uh, handy uh, this past year, huh? For sure. And it does yeah, bring it back a lot of those feelings of, uh, you know, oh, man, I remember this... Uh, it, the nostalgia, but it's still a really good game. It does have its kind of faults, but that might just be the fact that, you know, the reflexes aren't there like they used to be. Right. So it's, uh, you know, getting used to the whole idea of uh, the genre once again, because, you know, beat ups kind of fell away for a while, or at least the Streets of Rage style to the uh, beat up But yeah, very good pick. And I also had a ver- another very good pick that you're going to talk about. Indeed, Project Wingman. Um, yeah, you had, this show, again. you had this show up on your Discovery Queue first. It came up on my Discovery Queue, uh, I think, that same night after, like, right before I went and bought it. Like, you, it should, you, I heard about it from you first, and then I went and looked it up, and I bought it and uh, played it and beat it. And uh, I haven't played. In a couple of weeks, but let, let me just go look here. It's still at the top of my Steam playlist by like, you know, sorting by recent games. Uh, I played it for 45 hours and I bought it like uh, two weeks to go in within the year. Like it was mid mid December, I believe, when I bought it. So, um, yeah, freaking loved it. That was what started me on my whole kick to go back and play the old Ace Combat games was Project Wingman. Um, the true spiritual successor to the Ace Combat series. It's way better than Ace Combat 7, um, the uh, most recent and only other one you can play on PC without emulating. Uh, you know, cool arcade flight action, um, some elements of realistic flight model that you can get in there and use, and it has full out-of-the-box HOTAS support. My HOTAS has been living on my desk ever since uh, mid-December. Which is honestly kind of a pain because it takes up a lot of space. But between Project Wingman and then later on Elite Dangerous, I've used this thing a lot uh, over the last six weeks or so, six, eight weeks. So Project Wingman, uh, my best Discovery Q game of the year coming in right there at the end. I did have a couple of other Discovery Q games. You you tend to get more good picks than I do because um, I, I, do I do get a lot more bullshit than you do. But also, I do get some of the same picks that you get as well, and just they happen to show up first on your list. I feel like that happens more with me than it does the other way around. But there were several good ones that came up this year, um, or last year, whatever. And I've already got one that's probably a shoe-in for 2021. I mean, it's early days, but uh, you know, Dyson Sphere Program is is uh, coming along nicely, and that was a Discovery Q find. So, But that'll be for next year's VGL Awards. Um, yeah, well, uh, also, uh, it might just be the fact that whenever a game that pops up I don't like, I will uh, hit not interested. So I have 453 not interested in my queue. Uh, where where do I go to look that up? Because I'm uh, not interested. If you go to uh, your discovery queue and hit learn more, it gives you some stats. So but I've also only, uh, only viewed just under 6,800. 
So I have viewed 13,845 games. I've wishlisted 1,810, followed eight, and marked as not interested 10,894 games. I think it's your wish list that's throwing it off. Yeah. Yeah. That's a problem. But at this point, it's too late to fix it. Or you can just uh, nuke the entire site from orbit. That's true. That is very true. Um, Moving on to the last one in our second block, the Todd Howard Award for the dumbest gaming bug. And uh, this is one that we agreed on. Yeah, I mean, mean, there's just, there's nothing that could even come close to this. No, with, especially with the tagline of dumbest gaming bug. And it is Cyberpunk 2077, the dicks coming out of your shorts when you sit down. Yeah, I mean, Cyberpunk is a train wreck to begin with. But this was like the cherry on top, wasn't it? Yes. Oh, and it's going to come back up next week. Did you see the uh, hacker? Yeah, I haven't gone in depth on it yet, but... Okay, yeah, that'll be for next week. (laughs) I do love the memes that have been popping up. It's like, what are the hackers threatening to do? Fix the game? (laughs) Release the source code so they can (laughs) fix the game, right? Yeah. But I mean, yeah, there there were plenty of bugs, plenty of issues, plenty of broken games in 2020, unfortunately. Um, some others are going to show up a little bit farther down the list real soon. But freaking y- your junk hanging out when you go to sit down on a stool, just like coming through your pants and stuff. Nah, that's a dumb game bug. The right. dumbest. Uh, I mean, CD. I mean, that's... Or lack thereof. <laughs> yeah. CD pants not required. So I should change it to CDPNR. <laughs> and USC. Woo. But that will do it for block number two of the VGL Awards. Going to make myself another little editing note here for a timestamp. Um, Got that. And I don't feel the need to prattle on for two minutes and sing a dumb song. So are you ready, sir? Uh, all set. Sweet. So, block number three, uh, alternating who goes first. That means I go first this time. Uh, our first game for block number three is the Niche Scratcher game. What's a game that scratches that itch for a bizarre or obscure or odd little thing? Uh, and I picked for this year X4 Foundations. Um not the tiniest indie game that you could pick for certain, but there's no game like X4 on the market anywhere else. Um, the closest that comes to it is EVE Online, but EVE Online being an MMO uh, means that you have to deal with players' bullshit and you can't just enjoy it with mods and in yeah, a way that honestly, you see fit. But honestly, how much of that bullshit was of your own creation? A lot of it. I'll be real with you. A lot of it. Go back several years to hear stories where I rob corporations blind and then disappear never to be seen again for, you know, years at a time. Um, but anyways, I mean, the X4 game or the, the X series really is uh, a gigantic space sandbox where that you can do everything from build a sprawling trade empire to conquering territories and building your own empire to being like a solo uh, fighter pilot bounty hunter. Um, I'll give you one guess to figure out what it is that I do. Uh, <laughs> but um, are you very uh, scientists around on your space yacht? I did do that in Elite Dangerous, but 
No, I mean, the X-Series has always been one that is, um, aside from that weird one that was intended to be a console release that came to PC and was kind of messed up, um, they're just big open worlds that do have a continuing story from game to game, but largely are intended to be played however the players see fit. Um, And X4 continues that tradition with allowing you to build a gigantic space empire and uh, fight uh, weird terraforming, terraforming robots, aliens that look like giant shrimp, and a race of bugs called the cock. <laughs> so, X4. Huzzah! Yeah, I need to get back into the X-Series. I have uh, up to uh, uh, that one terrible one. Uh, X-Reunion or whatever it was? Yeah. Yeah. X4 will probably run better on your machine than it, than it would mine because it's super processor heavy. And with you, you know, your new build, I think it would run pretty well on your, on your PC. Uh, well, I have the box right here, a Ryzen, where is it on here? Actually, uh, five thirty six hundred. Ryzen five thirty six hundred. uh, Looking up this the CPU benchmark, whatever it's Ryzen five thirty six hundred versus i seven dash forty seven ninety K. Yours is ranked at about ten percent faster than mine in single core performance, and forty percent better in multi core performance so there you go your cpu stands a better chance of running it better than mine does yeah and the sad thing is that comparing it to my current one after voltage issues with this motherboard uh it's probably over double uh, my current uh, cpu speed yeah just because my uh, my motherboard it just struggles running uh uh, the uh, the FX uh, eighty three fifty at uh, full tilt. Yep, it's basically the too much processor for this motherboard, and it's the, as nearly as big as I could put uh, in it anyway. And it didn't make sense to buy a downgrade one to be able to run full tilt because yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, so, I guess yeah. I could have underclocked, but still. Yeah. Uh, so for me, getting back on topic. The knee scratcher for me was Golf Story. Way, 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 way back in the day, uh, back on the original Game Boy, Mario Golf was more than just a golf game, but a golf RPG where you build up your character and took on different challenges. And same with the uh, uh, tennis game. And there hasn't really been another game quite like it that I've encountered up until I encountered Golf Story. And it's one I waited to come to PC for ages and just never did. And when I got the Switch uh, late last year, uh, pretty much as soon as it went back on sale, which I got it uh, just before my birthday. So, yeah, Christmas sale was right around the corner. That's why I waited. I grabbed this. And I do understand why it uh, as a switch exclusive. And that's partly just due to how it handles the, uh, the rumble feature as kind of a exclamation on, uh, how it handles its text. It is 
a very, very good sports RPG. But just beyond that, the humor of it and everything else, it's just perfect for what I was looking for. It, it does have a bit of a silly sense of humor so as well. So if you're not looking for something like that, eh, but it's definitely worth the 15 bucks. And it definitely scratched a niche that's been itching for quite a while. Maybe I should have put some ointment on it or something. <laughs> right. So... Moving on to the greatest disappointment of the year. And another one we agreed on. This one I'm marked down immediately. Uh, and you couldn't, you couldn't come up with anything better because, right? Uh, yeah. So, Mech Warrior 5. Meh, Warrior 5. Disappointment. D- yeah. We, we both played this on Game Pass as well. And I, I still feel ripped off all my time on that one. I'm so sad. So sad. I I mean, you know, I'm the huge Battletech universe slash MechWarrior fan. Love my big stompy battle mechs. Played MechWarrior online for way longer than I probably should have. And it's just, it was sad. It was dull. The story wasn't super great. Uh, very Link- bog standard MechWarrior story. Uh, Ling too much on procedural generation and just uh, essentially roguelite missions. Yep, hardcore stripped out the mech customization. It just, it felt lazy, honestly. Just like a lazy cash grab? Or trying to, like, milk the fan base with a subpar uh, game, and it's like, well, mm-hmm. this is all there is. I mean, it's it's not. Uh, Battletech exists, although I guess if you really don't like turn-based strategy games, it's like, yeah, this is all there is if you want single-player story in the Battletech universe. Yeah, but honestly, uh, there wasn't much of a story here. I mean, uh, you, you become the captain of this uh, mercenary group because your dad died, and you were literally the least qualified there to do so. <laughs> I mean, you le- you literally just went on your first mission to learn how to control battle mech, and suddenly you're in control of the entire company. Yeah, you're, the XO of the ship should have been the one who was running the show. She was the only capable person there. Yeah, and if I remember correctly, the AI all, wasn't all that great either. Uh, they uh, would get very confused if you uh, had layers of weapons. Yeah, the AI would get really, really stupid if you didn't, like, if you had too many weapon groups. And they wouldn't utilize, like, single-fire options or anything. They would basically just uh, alpha strike every weapon group that they, you know, had available all the time. So you had to be really, really careful with them. Yeah, basically, the only way to get them to behave properly was try to group all their weapons in a single range. And uh, older MechWarrior games were able to handle this with the AI a lot better. Yep. I will give... uh, the game props for one sequence. Okay, two sequences. One is that opening uh, time that you go through the mech bay, and it gives you for the really the first time just such a great sense of scale for these things. Yeah. I mean, that was amazing. The second one, and probably the best sequence of the game, the uninstall. <laughs> yeah, I I played it a lot longer than you did, and I eventually gave up and quit. I played it pretty close to the end of the single player story, 
And I got to a mission and just got trounced by, and I, I was running like a full assault lance, like 400 tons of Atlas and King Crab. And I just got destroyed. Mm, I just got destroyed by the like infinite bullshit spawning enemy AI, like the tank spam that could shoot yeah, you across yeah, the, the map. Yeah, the, the vehicles that uh, were relied on way too heavily as well in the uh, mission generation. Yeah, and I got I got pretty close to the very end of the, the end of the game. I think there were I, I looked it up afterwards. There were two more main story missions after the one that I was on. And I just was like, I can't do this anymore. Like, this is as good as it gets. I've got lost tech weapons, four assault mechs, like, and I'm still getting just destroyed. I can't do this anymore. And I quit. And I went and played Battletech some more. <laughs> yeah, it actually made me want to play Battletech instead of that because, right? Yeah. And and it's it's a thing where it's like there have been a lot of mods that have come and, like, fixed most of these shortfalls. And, like... One, like, oh, I mean, on, on the one hand, that's great. On the other hand, modders shouldn't have to fix your games all the time, piece of shit developers. Mm-hmm. And on the third hand, which I grew from my COVID vaccine, uh, playing it through <laughs> Game Pass is a nightmare to try to mod the game. So it was pretty... Yeah, you basically have to rip all the DRM out of the game to be able to mod it. Yeah, so it's it's pretty pretty exclusionary at that point. So, Yeah. Yeah, which it's a shame because there was a chance that this could have been uh, good. But looking back at some of the trailers and knowing what the game is now, it's like, oof, right? Yeah, they uh, uh, were way overselling. And some might say lying. Um, I I didn't realize they uh, uh, outsourced PR to Peter (laughs) Molyhew. I know that they're, they're adding like some infantry to the game that can like fight you and hold positions and some larger. Yeah. But if it relies on the AI stuff, in the game, well, it's fucked. Yeah. Yep. So anyways, um, yeah. So moving on to the next one, the maybe I'm old award, <laughs> which is the award that we give to a game or a thing that we just don't understand because, well, we're old. Uh, and for me, I picked Among Us. I don't understand this game. I don't understand the youths and how they engage with it. I tried it. It was okay for an hour. Um, but I just don't get why people love it so much. And like that's that's fine. It doesn't have to be for me. It I recognize that it's a simple but well executed concept that a lot of people latched onto, especially during the COVID times. Um, but I just I just don't get it. So I, I think it's I'm old. A, I think it's just a game that's like right in the sweet spot of complex enough to be interesting, but uh, not so over complex that uh, cause people to distance themselves from it. Yeah, uh, because it's uh, there's quite a few games in this yep social deduction uh, uh, fuckery genre, and Among Us is like that like I said, right in the middle of that, because there's far more complex games out there uh, along uh, these lines. But it's also, it was really propelled by some random Twitch streamer uh, finding it and really propelling it after it's been out for a couple of years. So, right? Yeah. So for me, maybe I'm old, 
But I don't get why people are going to war for Epic or Apple. It just makes no sense to me. These companies have more lawyers than you could imagine. They don't need you to go to war for them. Nope. They are using and, you as pawns, foot foot soldiers, cannon fodder. Yeah, and no, no even worse, you're paying them to be cannon fodder. But That's this true. is uh, stemming from Epic being dicks to Apple and breaking the terms of service. And then, you know, Apple shutting them down and then Epic throwing a fit. And then the whole war spun up from there. Microsoft uh, coming in saying, oh, yeah, Epic should uh, is totally in the right here. When, you know, Microsoft is more just throwing fuel in the fire because it's funny. It's just, I don't get what, okay, I do understand if you're a Fortnite player or uh, or whatever on uh, Apple and you got screwed over because of Epic. But going to war with Apple because of Epic, is it just me or is Epic the bad guy here on this one? Uh, oh, yeah. Epic is the bad guy. I mean, they're both bad guys. Epic is the worst guy. I mean, let's just put it this way. They do what they were doing. They had a they had an advertisement locked and loaded and ready to go. Yep. They 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 hope they did it on purpose. And yeah, Apple's practices are bad. But you signed up to them, you agreed to play by the rules, and then you didn't play by the rules. So you're both bad, but Epic is worse. Yeah, this isn't like Terraria on Stadia. Or have you seen that one going around? No. Uh the developer <laughs> announced today that Terraria is not coming to Stadia because Google's locked him out of his uh, Google account for the last three weeks and he's fed up with it. And huh. says and says working with Google is a liability at this point. Makes you wonder what's going to happen to the mobile version. I imagine it's not going to get much support. <laughs> Probably not. Um, okay. Well, yeah. What? Uh, what's next? Okay, so... The Video Game Logic Award. Ding! And for me, this is always kind of the one that uh, it's a little hard for me to choose between this and some of the worst games I play, just because uh, video game logic, come on, ding, <laughs> uh, is kind of just falls into the background of, uh, and that's just a thing it does. Like press blank button, press uh, F to pay respects. Yeah. yeah, it's just kind of uh, yeah expected at this point. So for me, the video game logic award. Ding. I went to Super Limo, which is probably video game logic. Ding. The game. It is portal only. It's using spatial perception to solve the puzzle. So, for example, uh, the idea of something that looks closer to you becoming larger. Well, it actually becomes larger in the game. So uh, in the trailer, I believe it is you pick up like a dollhouse and you hold it up to your face and the dollhouse becomes massive and you're able to go into it. Uh, If you line up a a cube uh, or these parts of a cube in the world and stand in the right spot where it all kind of converges, a a cube just drops out of uh, open air onto the floor. Yeah. Uh, It's just weird, but delightfully so. It plays with uh, your perceptions. Uh, this is one of the 
the game festival games that I played as a demo. Now, I still intend to pick it up at some point. I do. I have heard it's a little bit on the short side, but yeah, it. Or just go look at the trailer of this game, and that tells you all you need to know about it. Yeah, Superliminal is cool. I also played it uh, during that demo trial period or whatever. It was a good game. Um, for me, video game logic has always been about that weird, like very specific well, logic of video games and the rules that sometimes come into play to make the game work. But you're like, wait a second. If this were real, I could just do this thing and solve the problem. Like sort of the classic example that I remember is the meme of like the door being locked in Fallout, but it's only like half a door and there's a guy standing behind it. And it's like, the door is locked. You need a key. It's like, I could just step around or reach through this giant hole and open the door from the other side. Like, but because it's a video game, you have to pick the lock or go get a key or something. And so for me, like that's the spirit of video game logic. And I picked Crusader Kings three um, for this one. Crusader Kings three is an excellent game overall. It certainly has its flaws, but love it to death. The crazy, weird, wacky shenanigans that can happen in that game are amazing. But also the, the, the uh, the realism that they introduce and the political intrigue and so many ways to tackle problems. But dang it, just because uh, my kid is the one who is usurping me and I can't kill him, like, that's video game logic right there. Mm-hmm. Like, it, there were so many real monarchies where they killed their children or their parents or their siblings and other things like that. There's a lot of stuff in in Crusader Kings 3 that are video game logic. Well, well they tie a lot of those uh, abilities to different personality traits and in uh, uh in uh, intrigue or uh the uh, different progression systems. So, right. uh, yeah, which is the very definition of uh, video game logic on that one. Yep. So Crusader Kings 3, the most video game logic video game I played in 2020. Um the next category, though, the biggest video game flop that isn't Evolve. Which, uh, are we going to have to change this at some point? Because, yeah, does anybody even remember Evolve besides us? We do. Uh, are we forget. the ones that's keeping Evolve, uh, Evolve's uh, memory alive at this point? Our, us and our audience. We're, we're, make, we're forcing them to be a part of this. But I suppose we could change it for next year if you wanted to. We could talk about some replacements, but... That is an anthem. oh my goodness indeed uh or my game uh marvel's avengers so marvel's avengers came out with like thunderous fart noises (laughs) mid last year um i was really interested the first time i saw it at e3 like wow a a third person action beat-em-up rpg whatever with marvel characters i can look past the 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 weird saturday live uh, cast yeah, I can look past that for some cool Marvel action. What's uh, oh, oh, it's live a service. live service uh, video game, and so I immediately lost all interest and didn't care. And uh, most of the general public uh, agreed with me. It got middling reviews at best, and within a few weeks of launch, its population had died off. And because there was no in-game content, there was nothing to do except put money into the microtransaction machine and hope that you got out something that looked nice. Um, and they're talking, you know, we're talking about roadmaps for months down the line. It's like, no, your game's dead now. 
and they come out and and well, Mark, they haven't even put Hawkeye out, have they? I don't know. I I don't pay attention to this game anymore. I, I mean, they have to hurry up because you know, Alden, uh, Alan Alda, he's not a young man. <laughs> oh, but I mean, anyways, Marvel's Avengers has been a huge flop. Um, within a few weeks of release, they marked everything down in the store fifty percent. Um, they pushed out some really quick content, but I mean, it it has not lasted. Oh. So. Well, they pushed out uh, really the same content, just with a different color, isn't it? Because well, you're right. Yeah, but uh, it's like one main boss, and uh, everything else is essentially palette swapped enemies, uh, different robotic enemies. And yeah. and from what I understand, they never really did anything with the different characters. They all play very, very similar. Similarly, yeah. I mean, I the think- fact that you have uh, Iron Man hovering three feet off the ground, right? Yeah, what's the point of of Iron Man at that at, at that level? Um, I think there might be something to be had here if you could somehow get it for next to nothing uh, to play the quote unquote single player, like the main storyline. If you're interested in the characters that are present for the story, unless you're interested in Spider Man, then you're shit out of luck. <laughs> yeah, because um, that's kind of what I did with Anthem. I I did the, like the fourteen dollar like. Uh, subscription thingy for EA to play through Anthem because I did really want to play that single player storyline. I'm a sucker for sci-fi stuff. And then that was it. Like I played the single player and I was done and I haven't played it in two two years or whatever. Well, well when uh, EA Pass uh, eventually gets to Game Pass you know, in like a year or two, but, or yeah. I should say on PC, you could try it out again before they shut it down. <laughs> Maybe if it comes to PC before they shut it down. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there might be something to be had there if you do like uh, Kamala Khan, which is kind of the main character that everything revolves around for that story. But otherwise, yeah, there's no reason to play this game. And even if you do go for it for that reason, get it dirt cheap, like no more than $5. It's not worth any more than $5. I'm not sure if you could uh, pay me $5 to play it. Fair enough. Uh, but to be fair, you're going to pay me to play uh, my choice that you had to remind me about because you can't th- uh, at this point. Crucible. Uh, that's the Amazon game that they unreleased, decided to scale back the scope of the game, and then shut down the project. <laughs> a, a, a rarity of the unreleased, right? Yeah. It just... <sighs> There's only so many hero shooters that can be put out. And this is also falling into the trap of the live service game because certain genres are content treadmills. You're expected to play them for hours each day for weeks, months, maybe even years uh, in order to unlock all the cosmetics, all the different content. And hero shooters are the biggest trap of this, at least in modern gaming, where... It's playing the same thing over and over and over again to unlock different skins. And I really don't think that there's a ton of room left in the hero shooter genre just because Overwatch takes up so much of it at this point. You're going to have to do something very, very different. And also, you know, maybe market the game, right? (laughs) Yeah. And this is uh, something we're probably going to be talking about next week. That uh, the really big companies that you'd expect that would be able to just throw 
all the money in the world behind a game and make it you know, a success are just flopping left and right. And that's just because they have no clue what they're doing. They're expecting it to go viral for some reason. And Crucible, from what I could tell, really didn't do a lot that other games that had also failed did. Uh, it did the mix of PvE, PvP, that, oh, shoot, I'm trying to think of that other hero shooter, Battleborn, was it that mm, one? Yeah, I think so. The one that was like a hero lane, like a hero shooter MOBA thing. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, that one flopped as well because there was just not enough focus. The The fact that Crucible went unreleased, they cut out two of the three game modes. That should tell you something, right? Yeah. But they decided, eh, you know, this isn't working out. Let's just scrap it and refund everybody. Which I will commend them on refunding, but right? Yep. They did one right thing in the middle of all that. Mm-hmm. So speaking of right things, let's go with the wrong thing. And uh, the last one for this block, the least favorite game club game. And for me, I think it should be no shock if you heard uh, me talk about this game, and it is Celeste. And it may just be poisoning the well because I've played a lot more competent platformers, and I just could not get into this one because uh, of the floaty controls. It seeming to want to do two or three different things with its gameplay, not counting the story, of course, and that it just didn't do any of them particularly well, in my opinion. Right. I uh, I liked Celeste, but I have no way to compare it to other platformers. I mean, you know, we talked about it ad, uh, on the Game Club episode, but... Uh, yeah, I would just I, say, you know, I've, I've played a lot better and a, a, a lot more satisfying. And that was the biggest problem I had with Celeste, really, was not of, uh, yeah, I did it. It was, oh, I'm glad I don't have to do that again. Right. And it could have just been I was in a bad mood for it. But yeah. Uh, for you, for me, I picked where the water tastes like wine. Um, and I think mostly I picked this because of how disappointed I was in what it actually turned out to be. Um, I had very high hopes for this game, the soundtrack, the idea of it being, you know, just one big walk across exploring sort of 1920s America, um, sort of the idea of, uh, American mythos or the American sort of occult history and everything there like it it seemed really interesting and and it had some neat ideas but it was just tedious and didn't present itself well enough you know for it for it to hold my attention for a long period of time um it was it was nowhere near as good as i would have hoped and i definitely definitely was very disappointed in it and it knocked it down so much in my estimation and so this was, like I said earlier, when talking about uh, stacking, like I kind of went back and forth on where to put a couple of these games. But my disappointment for where the water tastes like wine kind of overpowered my sort of ness about stacking. And so where the water tastes like wine won out in this category. Again, you can go listen to the Game Club episode from uh, January or March. It was it stacking was February. Where the water tastes like wine was another early you know one from the uh, beginning of the year. So I think January is where it landed. But yeah, where the water tastes like wine. 
Wah, wah. And that wraps up the third block. Indeed. Taking down another timestamp note for myself. Um, and ready to start the last one if you are. Yeah. Uh, so we're back with one more block. Oof, right? Last one. So I guess take- I'll start off this one, huh? Yep. Take us home, Rage. So the Gilded Bird for the biggest dick move of the year. And this is one that's, it just kind of stuck with me. And I put it down when we talked about it in May. And it's just still mind-blowing. It was the uh, the Calling 2's pay-per-match model. So at one point when the Calling 2 still existed, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, they introduced a model where you got one free match per day, and then you could buy in for more. And it's just, why, right? Yeah. It, it's just, it's just mind-boggling, uh, mind-bogglingly stupid that people would buy into it. And they didn't, <laughs> right? Yeah. People made a smart choice for once. Well, the fact that, the Battle Royale genre is also heavily, heavily, heavily saturated. Yeah, oversaturated. So, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it was so. This could have been another uh, contender for biggest game flop because they actually rolled back the calling two and re released the first one. <laughs> but, you know, it doesn't have the prestige of Amazon behind it, right? Yeah. Oh. Why? So, yep. Uh, mine was CD Projekt Red lies about cyberpunk. Uh, so much went wrong with cyberpunk. So much. But the thing that I'm focusing on for this was where they outright lied about its performance on the previous generation of consoles. It was bad on the uh, newly released console generation. It was um. Uh, below average on PC, but it was nigh unplayable on the previous console generation, which they had 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 trailers and images and had said, ah, yes, this is running on the current generation hardware at at the time, which, you know, now is the previous generation. And right before release, we're like, yes, we are pleased with the performance. Um, There's the, I can't remember who it was, one of the, like, the lead tech people. Yes, it actually boots up. Yeah, they're like we we're we're pleased with how well it performs, and they were all just horrible, horrible lies. CDPR is not a good game developer. They're they're one of the bad. They, they they cashed in all their goodwill for uh, Cyberpunk. Yep, they did. Uh, granted, I don't really give any any uh, maybe very few. I'd have to think about it. Companies uh, any goodwill to begin with. I don't trust them. Most of them are uh, indie one-man studios. Yeah, most of the companies that I do... Yeah, like yeah, like Toady One. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I'm not joking. Dwarf uh, Fortress. Yeah, no, I know. Um, but yeah, most of the game devs that I, I would trust are very, very small teams. So, uh, yeah. Next, the I'll Be Back award for a game you plan on returning to later this uh later the next year for any reason and i picked x4 foundations uh talked about it earlier um the reason i picked x4 was the next uh dlc or 
I feel like the X series still releases big enough content that I that I can call it an expansion. But they're introducing planetary or, or uh, planet terraforming as the next major thing. Uh, so I'm very excited to build my space empire and terraform some planets. It's going to be mwah, a lot of fun. Yeah, and for me, I think I had this one uh, last year as well, but I just didn't get around to it because. Uh, the patch that I was waiting for was much later, and well, I've also uh, picked it up on Steam or or uh, Switch as well. So, uh, Stardew Valley, uh, it just released its big was one point three update, and is currently awaiting uh, certification on the consoles uh, to release, and it adds supposedly a lot of end game stuff. So it'll be interesting to dive into it once again and you know on a handheld be able to just kick back relax uh go farming right yeah uh, and then uh yeah uh, switch over to animal crossing do the same thing right farming and fishing yeah <laughs> uh, i mean uh, only it's uh, uh animals instead of my best friend george <laughs> good old george yeah you don't know it yet but we're gonna be best friends whether you want it or not. <laughs> right. You're tanking this old man in a wheelchair. Oh, yeah, you're my spirit animal. You're my best friend. Why are you looking at me like that? Oh, well, don't you wish you knew. <laughs> but George was awesome. Yeah. I liked George. Uh, so, uh, the Uncanny Valley Award. So, oh, this one I've talked about playing early on in the year. And it was Plague Inc. Evolved. And it's uncanny for the time, right? It's yeah, a game was, about a, a global <laughs> pandemic. Only you are the virus. <laughs> and you're trying to kill humanity. And it feels a little weird to play, but also kind of makes you appreciate just the shit that's going down and people trying to control it. Well, except the U.S. that's, that's like... Oh, masks are entrenching on my freedoms. Right. But also the uh, expansion or uh, patch the, the about misinformation and everything, it makes you really sit and think. And I wish I could take some of these anti-maskers, sit down, down in front of a computer, and then step uh, you know, about 12 feet back from them because they're disease-written fools. Yes, And make them absolutely. understand some of the uh, logistics around this. And a piece of fucking cloth does not infringe on your freedom to be a dickhead. Preach it, brother. Preach it. Amen. Uh, Well, they also they also just released a free, oh, at least a free until COVID uh, is uh, under control. So yeah, you got a couple of years to grab it. DLC about curing pandemics that haven't actually gotten a chance to check out yet. But yeah, it's uncanny, right? Yep. 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 Uh, and my Uncanny Valley Award game, which I just accidentally covered up by dragging another one into its place, uh, I picked The Division 2. So while te- it didn't release in 2020, this is the, the year that I played <coughs> Division 2. Uh, and yeah, uh, a video game that is based around a plague that spreads, wiping out huge chunks of the population, resulting in the downfall of the U.S. government. And you play as some special ops people to 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 rebuild 
American society. Um, although in this game, the guys with the guns are are the good guys, the the weird, uh, you know, um, militia people are are the good guys, not the bad guys. Whereas in real life, those guys are the bad guys. But still, <laughs> the, I mean, the Division Two could be, uh, you know, that name could be replaced as Twenty Twenty, the video game, and it or, would work or, or early Twenty Twenty One. Yeah, yeah. But it was, um, I mean, I had a good time playing the game, honestly. Like, it's got good, solid gameplay mechanics. It's a good looter shooter. But, man, is it weird. Just, like, how, you know, the, those those feelings of, hmm, too close to reality. This is too much. Um, yeah. So, now we're moving on to our sort of best. The, the best, you know, our, our best few games for the year. Um, so we're going to start with the best game club game of 2020. And we actually agreed on this one. Um, the only one that we, I think, historically have always had to say that we agree on is the actual VGL game of the year. But we both kind of agreed on on the best game club game. So um, our pick was City Skylines. Uh, like you said earlier in the show, like it was a, a rough year for game club uh we didn't have really many standouts we didn't have very many that we both even enjoyed it was either one of us liked it and the other one didn't or neither of us liked it yeah usually game club uh is a a little bit more of a love fest but uh i mean just sitting and looking at you know there's only two or three really good polls for games that we both liked and then there was ones that we were lukewarm about, or that you hated, or uh, I hated, or just uh, universally hated one, right? Yep. But both of us really like uh, City Skylines. I mean, you had played it quite a bit before, and this was the first time that I had ever really engaged in it, but very solid, it's Solly? Solly. A very solid city builder. Um plays like how you remember the old sim city games playing uh so it's i mean the perfect spiritual successor to sim city and I, I hope that it continues to grow and thrive um perhaps get sequels or further yeah and expansion content and i mean the mod support for the game is is top notch so it's gonna yeah, have yeah the the dlc is probably the weak point of this one yeah uh, is that the dlc is usually very focused on a particular element and some of them are almost required for uh, really good enjoyment of the game, uh, particularly some of the mass tra- uh, transit options, because it's about the same company, I believe, that made Cities in Motion. So it's uh, focused more around traffic management, and the AI in the base game can be a little bit on the dumb side. <laughs> right. But with yep. the... Pro- with a couple mods, it does fix it, but it is workable without them. It's just you have to finagle it a little bit more. Uh, but it's uh, it's basically what SimCity uh, uh, t- uh, 2013 should have been with its agent gameplay of uh, certain things are uh, uh, directly simulated. But it takes it a bit further where it, they actually remember where they live, for example, right? You don't have a roving pack of children filling up every single house that has a chi- a, a child slot 
Never minding the fact that, uh, never mind the fact that, yeah, they may not uh, be related, right? Right. Uh, all the uh, people are actually simulated properly, and you could actually change the game quite a bit with mods. So the way I did it was, I had sort of slowed down the uh, day night cycle. And introduced the idea of rush hour and uh, having to deal with a more realistic simulation, or as realistic as you do with the you know, time frames, because it kind of throws things off there. Uh, and having to deal with public transit a, a lot more. But yeah, it's just a very, very strong uh, game in general, and would have been a contender pretty much in any year. It's yeah. just you know, Game Club just suffered this year. Not sure why, if it's just uh, poor picks, if it's just some things just look better than what they they would have been. See Outer Worlds. Yeah. But yeah, uh, City Skylines, uh, Game Club Game of the Year, and well worth a checkout. For sure. So that moves us on to our favorite games played in 2020. And for me, it's one that you absolutely hated, which I would have expected you to absolutely love for its wacky, zany, uh, semi-ADD, all sh- all sorts of uh, shit to do game, Yakuza 0. And the reason why I didn't put it as my ga- uh, you know, game club game of the year was just the fact that it was more of, well, one, I played it beforehand as well but also i wanted something a little little bit different i wanted something more as i hit the mic to uh, grab a drink uh i wanted something more on a technical level for my game club game while i had more fun in general playing yakuza zero it was my favorite overall just going to the karaoke and uh, singing to random Japanese songs and them undergoing this weird transformation. So you can see their imagination of them rock stars <laughs> with a screaming uh, uh, crowd, then going over and playing slot car racing, then go beat up some uh, uh, bad guys, uh, randomly encounter a kid that uh, had his uh, video game stolen. It it It's one of those games that, makes me wish that cities and other games were as interactive, that there was uh, more to do than just the handful of mini games that most uh, of the uh, sandbox GTA esque games offer you. Yeah. I, although I was... it, yeah. Although it might help that you know, you never drive in this game. You're always on foot and it's always you know, a beat em up. Yeah. I uh, I will say that I I didn't hate it. I just didn't really connect with it, and I, and I don't know what it was because I think normally I would like this sort of thing, but it just kind of missed me. And I don't know if it was like what was going on, you know, something going on like in my life at the time that made me be, feel distracted, or if there's just something about it that that causes a disconnection there. But I mean, it's not a bad game, and there were certainly pieces of it that I did enjoy, but overall, it just kind of missed me. Oh, it also is a game series that is very, very, very long. There's eight non uh, uh, Yakuza games out there now. Yeah, and um, I think. Hang on, I just, I just wanted to double check, and 
just the main story of Yakuza Zero, not even getting into how crazy you could go down the rabbit hole on different uh, uh, side things. It's still 30 some hours, which is pretty good for a beat em up. Yeah, definitely. Um, but uh, yeah. So my favorite game played in 2020 is one that I've already mentioned. Uh, Project Wingman. So sneaking in there at the end of the year, uh, coming in as the best Discovery Q game and my favorite game played in 2020. Uh, don't get me wrong. Like, it's not the best game that I played in 2020. Like, not the best, like, flat-out game that I played in 2020. But I had the most fun with it, and it came at, like, the perfect time. It was sort of those, like, right game at the right moment um, for the right price to really enjoy. And I got swept up in it, and um, it has come to kind of honestly like be a part of my daily life i love the soundtrack for this game i listen to it all the time some tracks are in my workout playlist some tracks are just in my like you know chilling out or my cooking playlist like i listen to the soundtrack all the time um i've played it every week uh even after it kind of dropped off initially like i still have been playing it at least once or twice a week um since i got it i just i thoroughly enjoy every aspect of this game and that's why it's my favorite which, mm. uh, well, that brings us to our final one of the, the evening, huh? Indeed. Drum roll, please. Uh, the VGL Podcast Game of the Year Award for the year 2020. Uh, we talked about this quite a bit uh, on the bus ride to school while we were doing our homework. <laughs> I, I think we talked about it and, and kind of tossed the idea of a number of games around for 20 or 30 minutes, honestly. Like, we kept bringing up different games, things that weren't just Game Club games, because this year was an odd year in terms of the amount of games that we both played. Uh, thanks to Game Pass, um, and then a couple of things that came out on on the Twitch Prime, you know, freebies, we we got to play a lot more games than we usually do together. Um, so we had a real opportunity to to branch out beyond just Game Club games really not that it helped for our discussion yeah not that it helped but i mean we tossed out a number of ideas and and discussed them and ultimately we settled on uh city skylines um you know the the best game club game that that we both played was the one that we most agreed on as representing kind of the best game that we played overall throughout the and, year and, and talked about on the uh podcast as well because right yeah uh, i mean i think uh, last year, also the uh, Stardew Valley won then because it was also, or sorry, my time at Porsche. I can't, I can't no, no, it was Stardew Valley, wasn't? Yeah, it, it was. It was Stardew. Yeah, uh, and it was also the best game club game as well. And I think it has a uh, that particular award has a very uh, like up on becoming game of the uh, uh, year just because it's if we both agree on it. It's very hard to, to talk otherwise. Yeah. Um, this year so far was the best chance at it being something that wasn't uh, a game club game or also the best game club game. But yeah. And, oh, and the year before it was Battletech. Um, we had Battletech for best game club and Battletech for uh, game of the year. So that's it's been that way for, for three years in a row now. Um, best game club gets game of the year. No different this year. City Skylines. I mean, I mean we already talked about I mean, it. I mean, it's one we sit down and talk about uh, 
ad nauseum uh, and spend a large amount of time on. So it yeah. does make a lot of sense to uh, that that particular award has a very, very strong indicator of what we consider the game of the year just because. Yeah. Um, I think City Skylines is is a game, not, not the only game, I, I won't say uniquely qualified, but fits into the category of best games for the year of 2020. A, a time when m- many people, most people, were at home a lot more, had a lot more time on their hands, and it, it falls into the type of game that rewards you just sitting down and playing with it and tweaking with it and experimenting. Um, and uh, it's very... and, uh, looking at maps and seeing, okay, how the hell do they control uh, 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 traffic in this city? Right. Absolutely. It, it does make you really appreciate just urban design in general, or I should say good urban design. Right. If but... you're from Boston, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but it's um, it's a game that really really was the right year for it to to be a standout on our list like you said i think city skylines would have been a contender in any year because it's just a solid game but between the other games on the game club list and then the year that 2020 was i i think that there's no more perfect game to have for the vgl podcast game of the year award for uh the year of our lord gaben 2020 Although I have to admit that it still feels a little odd sitting uh, playing City Skylines and seeing all the crowds moving around. It's like, you idiots! <laughs> right? I've I've been feeling that way watching like movies and TV shows and stuff. Even if they're movies from like 10, 15 years ago, I'm like, oh, they're, they're all really close together. Nobody's wearing a mask. Like, everybody's going to get so sick and spread diseases. I mean, that's the thing is that... Uh, People are, are, are the idiots on Facebook are talking about, well, uh, why is nobody talking about the flu this year and all the uh, numbers? Gee, I wonder if it has to do with trying to contain one virus. It has an effect on others. Right. Right. But, you could, but, you... but nah, they're a Facebook uh, epidemiologist. That's right. I saw a, a, a political cartoon the other day that was like, uh, like, an old person like sitting in front of their computer and he's like, get in here, Marge. I found some information that all the world's scientists, doctors and researchers missed. <laughs> yeah. I, I just saw one. It, hang on. Uh, actually, I think I could send it to you. Uh, you. You need to see this one. <laughs> it's professor reply. guy. Okay. And then we'll go over it. There you go. <laughs> slept through high school civics uh then now high, uh, facebook constitutional scholar you can't try a former president yes right? yes indeed uh, is, that, is that going into the folder of spicy memes oh definitely going into the folder of spicy memes <laughs> for sure um okay normally since this is the end of the vgl awards we would uh, start doing our wrap up right now, but we received one. I mean, we, we got a couple of things in the Discord, but we 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 were yeah. There was words. a big discussion about uh, air duster and using compressors and shop facts. And I, I posted a video about Linus Tech's hips being uh, shocked by electro boom. Which <laughs> oh, I, I'm not a huge fan of uh, Linus, so uh, seeing him in pain. Mm. Yeah. 
I like I, Linus. I, 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 like, I just find him very cringy. Oh, yeah, he's definitely cringy, but for me, that's kind of a selling point. Yeah, but it makes it even better when you put Electro Boom in the room. Because I love him. Yeah. I like Electro Boom. Uh, Electro Boom is essentially a comedy uh, electrical engineer uh, tutorial guy that that uses uh, comedy to illustrate why you don't do some things. Right. Sometimes Um, he intentionally shocks himself. And other times he uh, shocks uh, Linus. Oh, I like Linus. Linus tech tips, tech quickie. I don't like uh, shit. I just I I forget. They have like four channels. I don't like the other two. Short Circuit. I don't like Short Circuit. I love that movie. (laughs) Anyways, one was okay. Any anyways, we did get uh, an article. Cube posted this in the Discord, and it is kind of uh, time sensitive as well. Yeah. So Electronic Arts uh, to decide the fate of Anthem this week. Dun, dun, dun. Um, and this was posted yesterday at time of recording, so Monday, Monday night uh, or Monday evening. Um, Actually, they don't say what day this meeting is being held. It's just this week. Uh, executives will review the latest version of Anthem next and decide whether to expand the team or abandon the project. So, uh, giving odds on uh, Anthem dying? Oh, I think Anthem is dead. Anthem has been in a holding pattern for a long time. Uh, with a, a small of, team, it seems like a small team keeping the game running, bug fixes and stuff, and it's been bleeding subs or bleeding player base for, I mean, since launch. I can't fathom them keeping this game going. Um, I would imagine that it's done. They're gonna put a, you know, an expiration date on it, and then we'll see, uh, see it go away. There will probably be like a, a a push from the community, like oh, let's go and do some stuff and remember what it was. And it's like a mediocre shooter with <laughs> really cool Iron Man suits and well, uh, a generic but fun single player adventure. Well, didn't they completely change the scope of the game because they showed the flight mechanics to uh, an executive and thought that was the entire game and pushed for that? Yep. Yep, they completely changed the whole game at that point. Because it was originally more of like a survival, like a planetary survival thing. Um, And they added the flight mechanics to test them, and the executive showed up and looked at the build that had the flight mechanics in it. And was like, yeah, make the game that. And then, like, left. And and thus, we have Anthem. Boo. So, yep, they're they're Uh, saying... I mean, mean, they, they relied too much on... Bioware Magic, also known as Insane Crunch, to try to get this to work. Yep, Insane Crunch and a weird little charm that really only applies to their purely single-player games. Yeah, shame they don't do that anymore, huh? Yeah, it's a shame. I'll go get my single-player content elsewhere from the indie devs. Mm-hmm. Assholes. But yeah, well, I mean, we'll see. Probably next week we'll we'll have an answer, but you know, figured it was worth bringing up the story this week. Oh, they actually said it here. The Anthem next team consists of 30 people of about 30 people, uh, according to Bioware last year. And said it will need to expand to at least triple that in order to produce new content and continue to attempting to overhaul the game. Whew. That's a, that's a hard sell, isn't it? Yeah. It's not impossible. 
But mm-hmm. for a game like this, compared to some other games that have gotten sort of second life, you know, or, you know, revivals or have turned it around, like, they're, they've got everything working against them. The only game that I can think of that successfully turned it around was Final Fantasy XIV. Like, that it, it, it is within the same scope, I'll say. Because um, I'm sure a lot of people are going to point to No Man's Sky as, like, an example of this. But No Man's Sky was single player. And so they didn't have to worry about dealing with the multiplayer feature. Like, multiplayer was, uh, you know, talked about. But it wasn't the crux of the game, and it wasn't released as a multiplayer game. Well, to be fair, a lot of the uh, things they talked about in the game was it there at launch. They were lies. Although I'm still waiting for the fun part, because I've tried it. It it was boring. I have a lot of fun with No Man's Sky, especially after they fixed it. But regardless... It's, you know, the only thing that I can think of that's relatively, you know, like close enough that it's more of an apples to apples comparison is Final Fantasy 14. And that game nearly died. Uh, I think any other studio would have let it die. But uh, they they put in the work to transform Final Fantasy 14 in into a completely different game. And that's the thing. I think that's what would save Anthem if they finally, like, said, you know what? We fucked up. We're going to rebuild the game practically from scratch uh and and that would that would probably save it but they're not going to do that ea's not going to put that much money and time and effort into doing it properly so uh my 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 first prediction like my prediction a 65 percent chance this comes true uh they throw in the towel they announce that the game is going to uh shut down sometime in 2021 like summer maybe 2021 um and you know shut the game or put put the game into shutdown mode prediction number two uh like a 30 percent chance that this happens is that they actually do put together the dev team uh to make the anthem next uh experience or whatever they're calling it um they do that it's in development for a year or so uh and then they go ahead and announce that that the game is shutting down anyways because it's not successful 5% 5% chance they put together the team for Anthem next and it saves the game. That's my that's my prediction. And the other 5? Uh I said 65, 30 and 5. I thought you said 60. Uh I think I said 6 I thought I you know. said 60 by I might have said idea. 60. I'm tired. Uh listener, if you're if you really care about it, please let me know if I said 60 or 65. My brain said 65. I think my mouth did, but maybe... Oh, fuck it. Who cares? 65, <laughs> 65% chance. Uh, 65% well, chance. Well, when you start throwing out percentages, I'm saying here, like, okay, now what's the other? Yeah, no. 65% chance they just shut it down. 30% chance they try to fix it, but fail. 5% chance they actually fix it. Honestly, I'm going, like, 75 80% chance that they, they shut it down the next year. And I'm gonna, uh, and I'd go fifteen percent chance of expanding, uh, with five uh, percent of really doing nothing and just leaving the skeleton crew to maintain. Yeah, I mean, if if it's making money, that will let us know if it's making money in its current form or not. Because if it's making enough money to justify it, they would leave the skeleton crew. I could see that happening, but I don't think Anthem is making money. I think Anthem is losing money. Maybe not hand over fist money. Maybe that's why they're even considering trying to turn it around. But I think it's losing money. 
I, I saw some people talking about this online and uh, one of the conspiracy theories, uh, the fun conspiracy theories, not you know, uh, Jewish space lasers uh, starting wildfires in California. Uh, <laughs> one the, uh, or, or have you heard oh, that? One? No, I've heard that one. Just, okay. Oh, no. Uh, but one of the fun conspiracy theories is that uh, they're just hanging on to this game uh, to try to stave off it being considered a complete failure. Until Bioware has another success, see you know like the Mass Effect uh, uh, relaunch or that sort of thing, right? Yeah, where they could just hold on to it for a while and then you know just quietly you know let it shuffle off its mortar coil. And I kind of agree with that one. Uh, yeah, tinfoil might be wrapped a little uh, tightly. Uh, yeah, I might I need to make sure that the shiny side is out, not in. But uh, right. Yeah, that does feel a little tinfoily, but you know, I could, I could see it. I, I could see that. But yeah, that, or it's like uh, Anthem is the pet project of one executive that has enough clout, right? That he can keep pushing it. Yeah, yeah. That he really wants the Iron Man simulator. Yeah. Now that I could totally, I could easily buy that. The first, like, trying to save face or whatever. Uh, maybe, but I feel like that's unlikely. But some exec being like, no, this is, we can do it. And everyone like just being too afraid to tell him no. Like I could easily buy that. So. So I think that is it for that one. At least for now. We'll probably talk about this one again next week. Yeah, probably. Um, hey, Rage, hit him, uh, hit him with the socials. Well, if you wish to contact us, uh, you can do so vglpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of our picks. Uh, if you have any uh, picks for awards on your own, if you wish to leave voicemails or just talk about game-related topics, you can send it to us, vglpodcast at gmail.com, or tweet it to us, vglpodcast, on the Twitter. Our lovely, lovely patrons uh, have made this madness possible. you can find out more at patreon.com. Slash VGL Podcast. Our, uh, all our stuff can be found over at vglpodcast.podbean.com, which has sh- uh, the show notes, the uh, RSS feed, links to all our stuff online. And you can find the Discord there as well. Or if you wish to spread the love, you can do so on your podcatcher of choice. <sighs> Sorry, <laughs> yawning. Nope, I feel you. I feel, I, I, I feel you on that one. Uh, well, I wish you would stop that. <laughs> Never. Our intro and outro music is probably on the ground <laughs> by Kevin McLeod. <laughs> yeah. You can find his work over at incomputech.com. And as always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice, bye bye now. See you next time. Bye bye.